3: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Long.
4: On the way after 10 o'clock, Dr. Jennifer Wider is going to be on, telling you the science behind why bodies, after they have passed away, continue to move and just freak the crap out of you. So I just can't imagine anything scarier than being in a room with a corpse and all of a sudden it sits up and you're like, okay, now I'm done. Now I'm going to die of an absolute heart attack. That's on the way uh, in just a few moments' time, just after 10 o'clock, she'll be on the line. Then afterwards, a little bit closer, well, about half 10, you'll be hearing from somebody who is giving Irish women... Uh, online zoom classes that explore their sexual health but also uh, their orgasms so how to improve your orgasms and your intimacy and your sexual health they like e- online orgasmic yoga classes uh, jenny keen is the woman's name she teaches people she taught about a thousand people since lockdown kicked in so a couple of weeks ago or a couple of months ago at this stage so she'll be on the way shortly as well now uh, seriously the question you had was
0: the question is, you're more likely to break up with someone if you both have similar what?
4: 87 Let us know. Just take a guess. Mark, good evening, Mark Byrne. How's you? Same types of personalities. Is that, is that right? So if you're the exact same personalities, there's not going to be an interest in there. Is, there, is that a reason to break up?
0: Um, I mean, maybe it is, but I would have thought that would have been a good thing if you had the same kind of personality. But no, that's not the answer I'm looking for, no.
4: Yeah, that came in from Mark and that also came in from Isabel, our Canadian friend. Good evening. How's you listen um uh, are, are you finishing up work now? So I'm sure you're nearly uh, a few minutes away from work, let's know when, And let us know what you do by the way. Sorry. Um last week you we found out that we have a French Canadian friend who listens into the show, Isabel. Um, and we're nosy, so we want to know
0: exactly what you're doing every single
4: day. <laughs> Isabel, we're a little nosy. We want to know what you're doing. Uh, no, but the reason we um um obviously they are a few hours behind us so it's 9 and 10 o'clock here and she's wrapping up work. What do you do though? That'll be interesting to find out. And does yeah. the boss know you're listening to us in the background? Uh, so that came in from a few people, right? Uh, same hobbies, Gary and Shane uh, said uh, the same hobbies or the same friends. Is that going to result in disaster?
0: Same hobbies or same friends? It's not, no. Now, as I said, this is something that you probably wouldn't be able to pinpoint. So you might break up and then you you don't realise that this could have been the cause of your breakup. You know, if you break up and it's all fine, you just both decide to part ways um, and you're not sitting there going, well, you know, we didn't have the same friends in common or we didn't have the same personality. This is something that you can't pinpoint. So it might make sense to you if you have broken up recently with someone.
4: Can you give us any more of a clue? Because everyone is saying around similar things, which I would have thought as well, by the way, Uh, if you have the same... Uh, hobbies or the exact same personalities, maybe there's just nothing there. If you have the exact same, I don't know, friends, if you have the exact same crippling self-esteem issues, that's not going to result in, in anything good as well. If you have the exact same jobs, that's a different one. I like that one. Is it the exact same jobs? How did I miss that one from... No. Other Gary in the suit. Gary, what's the crack? How everything's
0: things? No, it's not. It's probably unique to everyone, this is. And this some thing. people might have it, yeah, might have it, have a stronger have it stronger than others. So it's a, something to do with yourself and maybe your home. You know when you enter someone's house maybe for the first time. Yeah. What do you sen- like what would you sense before anything else really?
4: What would I sense? Every, everyone
0: yeah, everyone's house has a certain what?
4: A certain ghost story, a certain backstory <laughs> haunting it.
0: No. No, I'm sure they do, but no, that's not the answer. It's something that you just pick up when you go into someone's house and your partner always has a certain unique
4: what. Now, uh, Shane is after sending in a rather strange answer, which I don't know is true, doesn't sound like it will be true, but he says it's the people with the same type of smell.
0: Same type of smell. Yes, it is. No way. That is the answer that I'm looking for. Yeah, most couples that break up, apparently, when they have no reason to break up, it's because they have similar smells. So everybody has a smell. You have a smell if I went to your house. I probably have a smell if you go into mine, but I can't smell my own smell. It's a natural smell. And you know what? Every boyfriend I've ever had has had a really, I've sensed a really strong smell from each one of them. And no, that's I'm not talking about body odor. Shit.
4: They didn't wash, which is one of the reasons why it didn't last. Look, some of it was them didn't, okay? In their trousers.
0: <laughs> Ew, gross. <laughs> some of them probably didn't, but that's not, uh, not what I'm talking about. Everybody has a smell. You know, you walk into someone's house, a stranger's house. Yeah. You can always pick up a smell.
4: But uh, you say is that not from like let's say the food they cook? Because sometimes your your dishes no. are different and your your what you eat is different. and You're like oh that's horrific, and you have to eat it anyway because it's Christmas and the whole family eats grapefruit and you don't want to insult the parents, so you just shovel it oh, in your face and you're like gross. oh my god.
0: No, but you know when you hear girls saying oh I want to keep my boyfriend's jumper yeah. or tracksuit bottoms because smells like him.
4: So it's, have so, you never uh, heard that? So if your smells are too similar, it's not yeah. going to work out.
0: Apparently, we do not like people with similar smells to oh, our own weird. smell, which is weird. And it's something that obviously is subconscious. You don't know. You're not going, oh, well, that's my smell and I don't like him. But that could be a reason why you don't last.
4: That's mad. Oh, I've kinda, yeah, I've kind of heard that before. I remember reading something about it. I was actually reading something last night on how men can actually... Yeah, your chemistry and attraction can come down to your pheromones. As you might you might look at someone and go, They're stunningly good looking, but when you get up and start talking to them, there's no chemistry there. And part of the reason is maybe they're a dim idiot. And the other reason might be that your 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 smells clash or your pheromones are, are, yeah. are clashing and there's no actual chemistry there. But something even weirder was that um men were able to tell when women were ovulating based off their smell.
0: Now, it can be quite strong, though.
4: Now, isn't, isn't that weird? So w- what they did was they gave... They, they had, like, a group of men and they had uh, women wear a T-shirt for three days when they weren't m- making eggs and then they gave them T-shirts when they for to wear for three days and not that sh- they were using, like, odourless shampoos and they weren't using any scents or anything like that. So they had the T-shirts that were worn for three days which were absorbing their smells and their pheromones and their odour and then they had the t-shirts when they were ovulating that they wore for three days and three nights and the men were able to kind of the men were more attracted to the smell of the woman when she was ovulating.
0: I did hear that actually
4: That's weird isn't it?
0: Yeah um, I think it's all to do with you know they're fertile and all that So Again if you, subconscious
4: Right so here's the advice this evening if you're currently in a relationship that you want out of and you just don't think it's working out and you don't know how to approach it, sit them yeah. down and look at them and say, listen, it's not you, it's not even me. It's just our smells are clashing. And I really yeah. feel that our scents and our pheromones are incompatible. And, you know, uh, we should just s- now have sex with other people.
0: I think that's a great idea. Yeah, that would definitely work. People would totally understand.
4: <laughs> Do you think anyone... Ma- can you imagine someone sitting down telling you that, going, hi, honey, listen, um, pheromones and your scent. It's an interesting You'd area. Be so confused, wouldn't you? Yeah. And it turns out that uh, your sister's pheromones are way more appealing to me, and there's nothing I can do about that now. So she's pregnant, and we're moving away right now. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) And we all play happy families. Oh,
0: God. Do you know what the weird thing is? Someone probably in this world has actually tried that.
4: Oh, and done that, and been all like, don't worry about babes. It's like, you're a freak.
0: It's not my fault.
4: It's (laughs) yours. No, it is your fault. It 100% is your fault. That's interesting. There you go, smells. Yeah. Yeah, well, Shane, listen, congratulations. You were the first person to get that right this evening. Uh, it is smell. How mad is that? Um, they all came in after that, yeah, similar personalities. But, yeah, smell. Smell was the answer we were looking for. Shane got it in there. Correct and right. Thanks for that uh, first one. in. cool. Listen, uh, on the way in, in about half an hour's time, Jenny Keane, she does yoga classes and online online orgasm classes via zoom um, which is seeing about a thousand women going through the door what exactly are they, why should you go if you're maybe interested in exploring that she'll explain a little bit, more on that in just a few, on the way next though our resident expert who comes on every Monday, Dr. Jennifer Wider, all the way from New York explaining to you this evening, why in the name of God do bodies continue to move for minutes, hours and days after they've died that's on the way next here on Room 1
3: FM 104's Room 104 podcast with
4: Cormac Moore and Saoirse Long. It's Cormac and Saoirse here. Remember, you can listen back to the full shows and also get all the interviews and the features on their own for your handy listening when you're going out for your stroll or your walk or run or whatever. Up on the Room 104 podcast, Acast, Spotify, iTunes, all the usual places where you're getting your podcast from. You can go and subscribe right now. Every Monday, she joins us from New York City. She is the legendary, a resident medical expert, Dr. Jennifer Wider. Doc, how's you?
2: i uh, good. Thank you. How are you guys? Yeah, You're good. The weather's been great. I like, got <laughs> ice cream. Oh, that's that's always fun. Ice cream yeah. always cheers everybody up.
4: <laughs> uh, I think so. That should have been actually part of the lockdown, you know, measures. You get delivery of ice cream every week just to keep you okay and keep you safe. By a <laughs> drone. <sane>.
2: I agree. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> drone yeah, delivered inside. ice cream.
4: Yeah, so, um, li- listen doc, we were wondering if you could shed some light on on stuff that we had talked about last week that was a little bit, a little bit weird. There was a story doing around about a funeral in Indonesia where when they were lowering the body into the grave, right, it looked as if the hand in the coffin was waving out of them. There was a little like window into the coffin. Oh god, uh,
2: how freaky.
4: Yeah, indeed how freaky you're burying people. Now the person wasn't buried alive, the person had passed away, but um, I remember coming across something, uh, ages ago, and a lot of people didn't either know this or didn't believe this based on the the messages we were getting in last week, that bodies can sometimes move after we have died.
2: Yes, this is true. From a medical standpoint, what's really interesting is um, there have been notable deaths in the past where just the opposite had occurred, that people were actually in a coma-like state, and then they were buried. And this is before medical technology really could detect Uh, you know, flatlining and and Mm. all sorts of other things that medical technology has evolved to do so that you can deem somebody has died. But back, and I'll share some stories before I shed light on why our bodies move after we die, but the opposite can happen where you're in a coma and your body isn't moving and you're deemed dead and then people are actually buried alive, which is insane. So I'll tell you four of those notable cases, which is just horrifying. There should be like an emergency lever in these coffins (laughs) so people can pull them if they need to, but... (laughs) What's very interesting is that human corpses can actually keep moving up to a year after death,
0: which
1: is
2: mind-blowing, right? So as the body decomposes, um, the limbs of the body, specifically the limbs, and it's more uh, likely to be noticed in the arms, um, but it can occur in the legs and it can occur in other parts of the body, but the arms are the most common. They can actually twist around and turn significantly as they decompose. So... You know there have been moments where people think that they see movement like they did in this Indonesian funeral Mm. when actually it's just the body decomposing uh, the way that it should Um, and one of the reasons is because as the body decomposes you have a lot of fibrotic tissue in the body and Initially, you know, there's there's medical things that happen right away, right? So I'll I'll run you through that. So if once once the human body is no longer alive, what happens immediately after death is that all of the muscles in the body relax. And the state is a primary flaccidity state. So we don't want to mix this up with what happens if a guy's not aroused and becomes flaccid. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> flaccidity this is a corpse-like flaccidity where, you know, sometimes corpses' eyes the the eyelids open because you're actually in a state of contraction when you close your eyes, right? So when we close our eyes, that's a contraction state. So sometimes the corpse eyes are open, the pupils can become dilated, and the limbs can be floppy, but they're going to be in a very relaxed state. So that's immediately after death. And the heart is not beating for a few minutes. The blood starts to drain from all the skin. And
4: the Sorry, body Doc, your line is kind down of down. just uh, crackling up there a little bit.
2: Okay, sorry about that. So we kind of lost you there. That's
4: that's better, better. actually yep.
2: Okay, so when the heart has stopped beating for a few minutes, the blood starts to drain away from the smaller veins in the skin and the body can look paler. And that's why when somebody you know, when people say you look like you saw a ghost or they they Mm. refer to a corpse as being very pale or having no color, that's the reason. The blood is draining away from the smaller veins. And the body temperature starts to go down very slowly. So it starts with two degrees in the first hour and then one degree afterward. So the bodies are, you know, pale and cold is what we say when, you know, we talk about dead bodies. Um, And then there can be something called a post-mortem stain. So that's when blood drains from parts of the body closest to the ground, and it can create bruises. So that's what we see, you know, in Hollywood when we talk about like Frankenstein or the Adams family mm-hmm. or the Munsters um, those those shows or those cartoons or even in Transylvania where Adam Sandler does the voices of Selena Gomez those bodies are made to look like this post-mortem stain in a post-mortem state but about a third of it about like eight hours after death rigor mortis sets in and that's when the body muscles stiffen but in that state as the body continues to decompose and mummify, for lack of a better word, yeah. um, it can move, and the limbs become flaccid, and they can move around. And <sighs> the, you know, one of the studies that they've done came out of Australia, actually, in a decomposition research facility. It was known as the Body Farm. Would not want to oh, do God. an internship there, you guys.
4: <laughs> no, no. <laughs> not at all. So,
0: so they it's found not like people um, thinking. People might think that the person might still have a bit of life left in them. But Correct. That's not the case. That's right.
2: Right. No, and that's and that's the weird thing. That's why I wanted to bring up these cases of people before like our medical technology reported, like that people really had no pulse, and, they had no, and you know, centuries ago they had to hold up, uh, you know, like a piece of paper underneath the nose and mouth to see if there was any steam coming out, if it were cold, or try to take a pulse. But there are these notable cases in history where people looked dead, were buried, and actually were still alive. So, but but there isn't a chance of that, Sarah. Like, and that's and that's what's so interesting. So now we can tell if some. Somebody's really dead. Like if you go into a hospital, and I've seen this multiple times, and it's it's startling. You know, there are different measures that people call out time of death. So if you ever watch like Grey's Anatomy or some of those you know medical shows that are on TV, it's mm. pretty realistic. Like there are three three measures to tell if somebody has died. It's not an immediate call where someone, you know, is deemed dead, is in a coma, and then several days later, they just walk up uh, out of their coffin. It, it's pretty stringent criteria that someone has died, but centuries ago, it wasn't like that. But now, you know, in these, in these body farms, in these research labs, they were taking overhead images of, cor- of corpses, and every 30 minutes, the corpse would move. And, and that's where the study came out of that Cormac is sighting. The study came out of this Australia facility where they were looking at movement of corpses after death. And they, and they looked, and it was the same sort of thing. As the bodies and ligaments dry out, there's movement, particularly in the limbs. And so it, it's, uh, you know it, it may change the way scientists analyze these crime scenes. Um, that they may think bodies were placed in a certain position when actually they weren't. They moved after the body died. Oh, yeah. I'm
4: going to really mess right? things up, especially oh, if you so have creepy. several weeks or several months after a body is found.
2: Right, exactly. Like somebody's, you know, their their arms may be crossed or up above their head or flopped over to one side. Like... Sometimes people, you know, a lot of these crime investigations, if you ever watch, like, those, you know, everybody loves those, like, SVU and CSI yeah. and all those shows about crime investigations. Sometimes these psycho killers put, you know, bodies in a particular position to try to lead, you know, to give a clue. But oftentimes, according to the study, like, all of that is null and void because the body is going to move, you know, quite a bit after it dive. <laughs>
4: I we wonder do though, does guys. it ever does, does it ever happen when you know you see them put into kind of the what are they like the fridges that they're they're slid in on that you know something happens and you just hear a banging from inside it because you know something has snapped or something has moved and you would just be so petrified going in opening up that to have a look inside.
2: Completely, I mean, it's really really freaky, right? So yeah, I think that's definitely true. There have been these cases where. You know people have banged on their coffin or uh or there is you know there may be a time where you're burying somebody and you hear a thud it may be due to you know the arm like the rigidity of the arm as it's it's very freaky but there are these cases you guys coming from all over europe one was in germany one from south carolina another one's from france um, where there was this burial um, and they are lowering the person into the ground. This one comes from France where this French woman, uh, not long, as, long after she was presumed dead, they lowered her body in a coffin and 16 hours later people reported hearing um, knocking against the coffin lid, right? So, yeah, And they looked point. at her and it, it was exactly what we said. That there was movement coming from her limbs, just like you said, um, and then they lit a candle under her nose and didn't see anything, and she was deemed dead. But there are other ones where they have pulled them out and they've still been alive.
4: Oh god, <laughs> terrifying!
0: But doctor, oh, if god. you have passed away, I've I've heard this. I don't know how true it is that your nails still grow. So is that going to anything to do with there, your nails or your hair or something? Well, and so
2: and so, there. You know that that's the issue. Like there's definitely movement in the body and. Normally, you know, you need like cells multiplying and cells dividing in order to have your nails and your hair grow. So, for example, if somebody is, this is a little more a morbid term, but if somebody has cancer and they're on chemotherapy, right, they're, one of the reasons that people's hair falls out or their nails stop growing is because the medication is stopping the cells from dividing in the cancer. But unfortunately, you know, we haven't evolved and we should, like there are more medications on the scene, but traditional chemotherapy will target any fast Mm -hmm. cells. So that's why the hair will fall out or the nails will stop growing. Um, Usually the nails and the hair should stop growing because those are all supplied by a blood source. And that's how the cells divide. But I think within those first, you know, few moments and those first few hours, like, for sure. But I don't know if you were to, you know, bring up a corpse and have these, you know, Guinness Book of World Records nails coming out. Um, <laughs> I've never heard of anything like that. And that would be knows? a weird competition <laughs> as well, you know,
4: exhuming all these <laughs> right. dead bodies going.
2: This yeah, weird. the nails are really long. Oh, God. It's I really worry about
0: that, but it's so creepy. I mean, if someone was knocking on a coffin... coffin door in a church you'd want to open it and just check of course of course and there are
2: these cases right there was a 19 year old back in 1937 i pulled this case to tell you guys about this 19 year old french guy got into a motorcycle wreck he was um knocked headfirst into a brick wall and his face was disfigured so the parents were not allowed to view the body so they quickly um they quickly like you know, buried him, and then Mm -hmm. they had no pulse, so they declared him dead. Three days later, they needed the insurance company, didn't, you know, they wanted to know if this investigation, they had to claim insurance, so they had to exhume the body. Days later, and what was bizarre was, his body was still warm, and they pulled him out, and he actually was in a deep coma, and his body needed a diminished need for oxygen, which kept him alive. Um, And after numerous surgeries and rehab, he lived into no, well into his 70s no. can
4: you imagine
2: did anyone tell him that cases? they buried
4: him alive? Or did they try and kind of just say nothing and hope that he'd obviously never realize because he was in a coma?
2: The, the irony is they told him because because when he, when he died, he made sure he had a very stooped-up security coffin. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> that had a food <laughs> yeah. locker, a toilet, and a library. I'm not joking. i like a panic
1: button. <laughs> oh and that was God. like in the
2: 1980s, but he lived a really long time afterwards. So, you know, you have to think of how many of these cases have occurred. These are just what we know of. So that used to be a fear of people going into a coma and being buried alive. Now, of course, our medical technology is much too sophisticated for that. But but this is just, you know, for anyone who's claustrophobic, this is like the ultimate nightmare.
4: An absolute like nightmare. Like waking yeah. up
2: in a possum. Did you ever well, see you the mean, movie Kill Bill?
4: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, exactly kill Gosh. bill with uh, Uma thurman yeah and she had to, uh, those scenes made my heart race i'm, I'm mildly claustrophobic she like woke up oh. in uh, underground oh yeah. god thanks yeah. for scaring us though i mean yeah I'm i almost. know really this is this is a good uh, halloween topic you guys
4: <laughs> it's <just> a little <laughs> early sure it could be it could be october no one has any idea what the date is so who knows
2: exactly if i told you it's october you'd believe me <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. wednesday sometime in october the other thing i wanted to quickly mention to you guys was you know a lot of stuff can be explained by science like body movement after people have died a lot of people would think like it's somebody's soul you know slowly leaving the body another weird phenomenon that we could bring up next week if we're running out of time but is is when people are half asleep when they see something in their room that they attribute to being a ghost. Has that ever mm. happened to you? Like time, yeah. Like waking up and seeing something?
4: Yeah, I, I sometimes, you know, just even for a half a second when you wake up in that weird half-asleep, half-awake moment and you look at either like a coat hanging on the back of the door or some clothes yeah. that just suddenly resem- resembles a face and you're like, oh my God, there's someone in the room.
2: Totally. It can all be explained by science, which is really, really interesting because I had a, a dream. We had just put an elliptical in our bedroom uh, for exercise and I had a dream and we had moved into the house that I'm in right now I had this dream and woke up and with the curtains and the elliptical it looked like and I'm not even kidding an entire colonial family from like <laughs> colonial America with like this kid holding a pinwheel waving at me and I was like oh my god you know like I saw a whole family and I really could like make out what they were wearing and then I like blinked my eyes like 15 times and it all disappeared and it, it was all attributed later to the like shapes of the elliptical and the,
0: and
4: what they were wearing looked like the drapes in my room
0: oh, that is so it was weird so freaky you guys so god, weird because so I always think it will happen and it will come true <laughs> hate those ones Well, especially
4: when you're going to bed this evening you can just imagine that there's a whole family of uh, wartime people sitting in your uh, <laughs> sitting at the end of your bed oh. just having a laugh staring at yeah. you while you sleep heavily breathing on you going oh my god what's going <laughs> it's on it's
0: not fair to say that because I'm the only one here that's living on their own yeah, oh know, god at least yeah exactly
4: but this makes yeah. it funner for for me anyway to just make sure that you're. Uh, my, my
2: brother, my brother gets one with like large um, spiders on his bed. Weird. Oh, that's freaky. Isn't that weird? And yeah. then he blinks his eyes and they go away. But oh, people, they, they have this. But all right, Sarah, I'm gonna I'll, I'll just break it down for you very quickly. It's called a hypnagogic hallucination, and it's all explained by science. So it's a certain stage of sleep that you're in. It's more likely, you know, the the funny thing is this all occurs when people see ghosts in their room. It always occurs either when they're just falling asleep or just waking up, right? So if a ghost were actually there or some sort of freaky thing, it would occur like it's not going to pick right right when you're falling asleep or right when you're waking up. It would be present all the time. And we've had people come on to, you know, Sirius XM in New York City, like, telling us all these real ghost stories. And I'm not going to poo-poo that because... You know if people believe in that that's fine like i'm not going to sit here and tell you not but if you're if you're just waking up or just falling asleep it's most likely this hallucination that is a specific state of sleep in your sleep cycle that makes you feel like something that you sense is real and it can occur with vision it's most likely vision but it can be also sound and believe it or not smell which is very strange and it's more common in teenagers and young adults um and it's more common if you drank the night before you both are in oh, trouble
4: right.
1: there yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah that it's explains
4: a lot warped tonight <laughs> my god um <laughs> Cool. Well, listen, um, as I said, we're kind of running out of time, and we could definitely follow up and talk a little bit more about that. Maybe uh, next week or whenever we get you back on if you're not too busy. But listen, uh, Dr. Wider, thanks a million um, for popping on, as always, clearing up some of those misconceptions or maybe even myths or legends about people coming back uh, back to life in the grave. They might just be breaking down uh, and decomposing. (laughs) So so if you haven't already, go follow Dr. Wider on uh, social media, on Twitter, Instagram, all the usual places, at Dr. Wider. And listen, Doc, we will chat you again very soon. Thanks for coming on.
3: Thanks so much guys FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Long
4: and the thick of it it's Cormac and Saoirse here on FM 104 we we're just chatting with our resident medical professional uh, Dr Jennifer Wider all the way from New York good evening Robbie just seen your text message there now uh, she's talking about their uh, that's where the saying you're a dead ringer for someone originated yeah I heard that didn't she mention that before I remember uh, that was when they buried people didn't they put a piece of string on their toe or on their hand or something, and link it to a bell outside the grave, and then if they wound up coming back to life, the bell would start ringing, and the grave digger would have to go over and go, "Oh, sorry about that, you're no. actually alive.": Oh my God,
0: that that's would where it be comes from your dead ringer, yeah Petrifying. is that true? <laughs> yeah.
4: I think so, yeah, I think so. Jesus. yeah, I think that's what it is. You know, Robbie, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's what it is dead ringer, because obviously the person was dead, and they were ringing. so
0: does that happen you know. with animals as well then I wonder what do you mean? Like, can that happen with a dog or a cat or something? You know, where they actually have passed away, but their body can move um, like ours can if we have died.
4: I'm sure it can, yeah, slightly, yeah. But the dead ringers were actually alive.
0: Oh, no, stop, I can't.
4: I think they were the people, yeah, because they couldn't tell really properly. They couldn't find the pulse properly or maybe oh, you were geez. in a coma and then you woke up, they were you were actually alive. That's why they had to run in and get you get you back out of, the, out of the hole before you were like, oh, whoops, sorry.
0: Like The Walking Dead? Oh
4: my God. Yeah, it, I been on that TV show. The, the one thing it's reminded me of, I don't know, did you watch Lost? Yes. Now, I didn't watch a lot of Lost, but the one episode that sticks out in my mind is when one woman is bitten by a, some type of insect or spider and she's paralyzed. Oh, and it yeah. does something similar, like it, it, it makes you think you're dead, but it makes people think it lowers your...
0: That person's dead, uh, yeah. They can't move your heartbeat like
4: And happy and they buried her. And she can only start opening her eyes. Yeah. She's like, what's going on? Oh and God, uh, they bury her.
0: Imagine, <laughs> imagine you couldn't move. You couldn't even move your mouth. You couldn't make a noise. But you were, yeah. A lo- oh no. But it's, it's like that other thing, wasn't it?
4: The, the, people, what's the what's the drug you take to go under operations? Is it anesthetic?
0: Yeah, a general. Is it general anesthetic that they put you under? <laughs>
4: Yeah, there was a movie about this. I don't know how. Maybe I should ask her about this. I don't know how true this this is, but like one in a million people have will will be wide awake, but their body will be completely numbed. Not numbed, I've but their body will be completely this. frozen. Yes. Yeah, so there was a whole movie based on it. I can't remember what the movie was, but uh, oh about God. that phenomenon where someone's put under and the doctors and the nurses. Yeah, they for, for all. Uh, All the signs show that this person has gone under and that they're not conscious, but the person is in fact conscious, just all their muscles are relaxed but they're completely conscious, can feel everything and are just like, okay, what's going on?
0: Oh my god, imagine being able to feel you being opened up like (laughs) cut open. (laughs) Someone's hand
4: inside you, like grabbing your lungs and your kidneys and your heart. I have to
0: say it's the scariest feeling in the world you feel like Completely helpless when you're sitting there on the uh, like on the trolley, ready to go into the theater, and they're about to, you know, obviously put the general anaesthetic in your arm, and you're like surrounded by loads of people you don't know, and they're just about to put you to sleep, and they can virtually do what they want, yeah, technically do what they want, yeah, and you have no control.
4: Oh. It's horrible. Oh, it'd be horrifically horrible as well, yeah. Um. Selling a little.
3: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
4: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince.
3: They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods
4: I don't know how to pronounce your name. It's L I D I. Is it Liddy? What I pronounce Is it Liddy? Liddy? Liddy, Liddy. Yeah, Liddy.
0: That's a cute name. So,
4: uh, <laughs> if Liddy was from the Lidl family, it would be Liddy. <laughs> but Liddy. I don't know. No, Liddy. No, we'll call her Liddy. How are you doing? Uh, but we'll call you Liddy from now. And if we're getting that name completely wrong, let me know, will you? We'll apologise profusely and say, "My God, sorry, sorry, sorry." sorry. Uh, okay, listen. On the way next, you're going to be hearing from a Dublin woman who is offering women classes in orgasming under a yoga, I should say, under a yoga umbrella, I shouldn't say, it's not just filth it's all about the holistic approach to orgasming and the different types of orgasms that you can apparently have Um, and she offers she used to do these before the lockdown normal classes normal workshops in a yoga studio but can't but since the lockdown has come in she's been delivering these to various different women around the country via Zoom and claims to have had almost a thousand women taking these courses so what exactly happens in them and what do you learn from it? why should you consider going, what might you learn, how might it change your life as a woman well, uh, orgasm classes via Zoom the woman who organises those, Jenny Keane is her name she's going to be on the show next
3: FM 104's Room 104 Podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalong.
4: It's Cormac and Sisha here. You can get in touch at 87 104 and to kind of change up your Monday. How's your sex life going? Because there's a, a wide variety of obviously problems that come into the way, especially maybe if you're single or in other situations where you're separated from your other half and you can't see them because of the current measures that we're in. But someone is, is trying to uh, keep the spark going whether you're on your own or in a couple and she joins us now to talk about her yoga classes. In particular, her tantric yoga classes often focus around things like orgasms, which, which are bold and we're not allowed to talk about. Uh, Jenny Keane, how are you?
1: I'm good, how are you? Jesus, yeah, not we're not allowed to talk about that, we're not going to be able to talk about it too much tonight. Oh. Nice. And that's
4: the end of the interview Jenny, thanks for popping on now. <laughs> <laughs> back to a decade of the rosaries now we're and talking... the and we'll get back to normal programming. Yeah
0: exactly, we're talking old Catholic Ireland where we're like, you do not have sex before marriage and you just have it to have kids and that's
1: it. I'm sitting in my communion outfit as we speak right now, so it's Okay. <laughs> What
0: exactly do you do?
1: Um I teach I teach yoga and um I teach tantra yoga which is a particular style of yoga. And now just to make it clear, okay, tantra yoga does not mean sex. <laughs> but um it, it has a huge there there is a sexual part to the tantric yoga practice and it's very similar the actual yoga practice is actually very energetic and moves a lot around the subtle body and and things like the chakras so it'll be all the hocus pocus stuff that people are like oh jeez the uh, (laughs) hippy-dippy yoga stuff you know and then what I teach on top of that is what I call holistic sex ed which is really looking at sex education but from a very holistic point of view so it takes in kind of like the full composition of the body so your circumstances what's happening physically in your life emotionally mentally and all of this and then we look at that, you know, so it's it's great fun. And at the moment I'm doing um which is why you called the Orgasm online uh, workshops. So these are workshops I've been doing actually since 2016 and obviously like when I first started it was very hush hush you know and I had like <laughs> 11 women in a little room you know and we're all talking about orgasms and sex and all that kind of stuff and how to have uh, more pleasure you know. Since Covid happened um, there's been a real kick off and like in the last months I have, so I have nearly a thousand women after doing the course now um, and it's it's going very well we're causing a riot in, in Ireland <laughs>
4: Uh, You've had a thousand people take the online course. Yeah. Wow. I suppose in a weird way, it might be a little bit more comfortable for someone to do it from home because maybe they mightn't feel as awkward going to, as I said, I don't know where you're doing them, in some back alley somewhere where there's a secret knock into an underground yoga club that you're running for this, but um, yeah, yeah. maybe that's it.
1: <laughs> yeah, it makes it it makes it makes much more accessible to people, you know, because I think a lot of people see this and they're like, Jesus, is, is this woman going to be in the middle of the room naked, like, touching herself <laughs> and sticking her fingers up her hole, you know? Um, whereas at least online, if they're like, if they have these questions, you know, at least... If the meetings you know in the zoom meetings so it's like well if it gets too much i can always leave you know and then you know two minutes into i think they realize that okay no this is actually just going to be a lot of fun you know and it is do
0: you know what's so interesting i have a friend who has gone to one of your courses and absolutely loved it but among my (laughs) friends i remember sitting around talking about this before and a lot of them said i've never actually had an orgasm which Mm. i found bizarre because the only reason I would have sex is because I can and you know that's kind of in my head you wait till you reach orgasm and then you're like okay that was great thanks mil, I'm going uh, whereas I know well, it- why would you do it
1: otherwise <laughs> Well, because we, we think we have to, you know, there's like this huge thing on society and culture that puts on us, but it's so common actually for pe- for women not to know and um, like to say that they've never had an orgasm or not know if they've had an orgasm. And this is because, you know, what's portrayed um, even in the media, you know, and look look at the magazines, they talk about like the big O and it's like, whenever I read this, I was always like, which one are they talking about and why are they only talking about one? Because there's many different types of orgasms, you know, and it's the first thing is about, this is why I'm really big on like, I really believe, education is the key to unlocking your kind of infinite potential for pleasure and and your what i call erotic intelligence because it breaks down the barriers that your mind has around what sex is and so most of the time you know we have this kind of goal orientation around sex that you know sex is just to reach the orgasm you know and once one person reaches it then boom that's it you know generally it's the man that reaches it first like it's like ejaculation that's it it's over now he's asleep and you're like what am i going to do now and it's more about like it's you know Intimacy and pleasure has become more about this thing of getting the job done and efficiency more than it is about connection, and it's more about performance and pleasure, and it's more about what you accomplish more than what you appreciate. And so, what every in, in everything that I do, my my what I'm trying to teach is like, how do we put? pleasure and curiosity and exploration and imagination at the center again because these are the things that really that really bring uh your sex life and your and not just your sex life but your life in general it is kind of spark of aliveness that like you know um, moves through us you know and really this is what this is what we want in our life you know because ultimately we're sexual sensual beings and this is a fundamental expression of the human spirit, and when I say this, it really like this is like how we move through the world. You know, we take the world in through our senses. We receive the world, you know, through our senses like smell, sight, touch, all that kind of stuff. And it's about really allowing all of that stuff to re- penetrate you. And that's where ta- it moves from, let's say, sex education to tantra yoga, because tantra yoga's life is about like, can you last? life penetrates you where literally you're making love to life all of the time that's like the high level of it, you know
4: (laughs) so um let's say it before the lockdown and you were having these kind of workshops and these tantra yoga classes what do they look like like what are you what are you covering and what are you doing oh
1: well it's it's actually very similar to the the stuff that we're doing online it's pretty much the same format only obviously like in person it would have been you know we would have all been in a circle there would be a lot more kind of Obviously, uh, way less women. I could only fit a uh, maximum 22 women mm. in the room, you know. We talk about, so first of all, it's about looking at, like, your sexual beliefs. And, like, what are your baseline sexual beliefs? So, like, is shame there? How do you engage with other people? How do you engage with your own sexuality? Like, if I was to say anal sex, what's your initial reaction? Because some people, generally what we'll have is, like, this initial kind of like you know expansion or contraction and either be like oh jesus like she just said anal and said sex at the same time and there's this kind of a, a fear or a contraction around it um, and we're feeling of like you can't breathe now you know or else there's a feeling of like ooh, that's that's interesting. Maybe I'll think about more about that later. And then you'll be able to look at like what your sexual belief is in all that, you know? So whether you are you have this sexual kind of curiosity and aspiration and openness, or whether there's a feeling of like shame and unworthiness is a really big thing that comes up, especially with women, you know? And, and when I talk about all this kind of stuff, it's like a movement towards not just about your sexuality, it's about moving people Toward pleasure because, you know, ultimately when you take pleasure as a practice and self-pleasure and, and that is even masturbation, you know, it is a deep meditation on self-love and when so many of us are, are afflicted and kind of burdened with this kind of self-loathing and bad body image and shame about our body and confusion about our bodily functions and even confusion about what sex and pleasure is, taking pleasure, taking self-pleasure as a practice can be this incredible an intense love affair with yourself you know and it doesn't just it doesn't just change your sex life this kind of a practice it changes your entire life because it gives you energy to take risks you know in work in love in life uh, as well and it's also as well i mean deeply important for our health you know which i don't think gets enough of a spotlight when it comes to this you know because whenever whenever we have a pleasurable experience there are huge physical consequences and uh, this is really what I move people towards that I really believe you know that like I mean not just orgasm but to live a pleasurable life is to kind of live a healthy vibrant life that is full of energy and um, and passion and enthusiasm and all the good stuff that we want, you know. And we just have to kind of reduce the shame around us, you know, <laughs> and the secrecy and get people talking, you know, because this is really where, you know, I really believe that passion sparks other passion and curiosity ignites curiosity. And so I really believe that this is like what this is all about, you know, that we're all here to inspire each other. And ultimately, we're all here on account of pleasure, you know, like even you, you know, that somewhere, you know, long ago, and we won't say long, long ago because it'll tell us how old everybody is, you know. Hmm. But like one day, you know, years and years ago, someone had a desire, and that desire led to an orgasm, and hopefully it was more than one orgasm, and that orgasm led to you, you know. So we're all here on account of this, but. If you look around, like most of us don't live like we are the stuff the pleasure is made of, you know. This is what I'm trying to teach. Because like, you imagine if you lived like that, if you walked through the world like this. And I really believe that it's about turning people's t- attention towards pleasure. And um, so it's not just about like, I mean, there's, there's a long uh, answer to your question, but it's not just about. It's not just about the physical stuff that's happening and the biochemistry of, of bliss, essentially, what we talk about. And looking at, you know, what are the gateways to pleasure in your own body. Where are they? How do you access them? But it's also looking at, you know, can you program yourself to really give yourself the permission to receive pleasure?
4: Completely ignorant here and blind to what goes on. But does anyone like orgasm in your classes or is that, are you just doing the theory no, and the practice at no, 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 no. home?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so what it is is, uh, yeah, I, I my pants stay on the whole climb, gormick <laughs> <laughs> So, don't worry. Um, <laughs> was uh, no this is the theory so the the workshop is really like what i what i say is that it's just kind of comprehensive and progressive Sex education that we never got in school. So this is all the theory, and it's fun, you know, because it's like sexy theory, you know. And uh, and it's to give it's to, again, it's to spark people's curiosity, uh, to get them excited, and get them to begin their own kind of exploration themselves. And at the end of the class, like I, I give them a couple of practices, and at the end of the class, we do like a yoga, a, yo- a little yoga practice, for only half an hour, you know. But it helps to ignite sexual energy. In the pelvic area, I have a teacher who calls the dead seven inches, you know, because nobody thinks about it until there's a problem. So women, you know, if they have issues with their menstruation or when they get pregnant, you know, this is when we start to think about, you know, our womb space. But until then, uh, we don't really consider it, you know, until there's actually a problem. Mm it's about, yeah, bringing people's attention towards that.
0: I was saying earlier on about people, like a lot of girls say they can't orgasm. Do you believe that they can't orgasm or do you think they just don't know, they haven't delved enough into this area?
1: So I believe that pleasure is available to absolutely everybody and I believe that no matter where you are, whether it's you've never experienced an orgasm or you already believe yourself to be multi-orgasmic, that pleasure is constantly expanding and that it is available to everybody. Like, we all have the same bits and pieces, you know, our bodies work the same way. And so if someone is having an orgasm and you're not, there's just a disconnect there. And so this practice, you know, the, the workshop is really an invitation to, to kind of say, oh, oh, God, there maybe there is a disconnect here. How do I connect? And I think what's really what's been really beautiful to me, because, I mean, you might know yourself there. like as a woman, you go through there's so many times in your life where you go through. Uh, moments where you are disconnected you know we become bogged down at work like something like this happens, a crisis happens, change disrupts our life and we become different and sometimes disconnected in the process. Maybe we experience a sexual trauma and then there's a disconnect or maybe we experience pain for whatever reason or maybe we just had a baby you know and, and our attention is on raising a child now and so then there's another disconnect and so we disconnect for many many different reasons and for me it's always been a great comfort to know that i um, when Whenever I've been disconnected, it's always possible to return. And it's about then kind of, you know, sometimes you need a little kick up the arse, you know, about like <laughs> getting yourself to the place because it's scary, isn't it? You know, like when you realize yeah. it, it's scary. So it's like about pushing yourself sometimes. You know, people say it all the time, leaning into what's uncomfortable. I mean, you know, in the workshops, like, it's all about, you know, pleasure and about fun. But generally, when people book in, there's just a huge amount of nervousness going, Jesus Christ, what's going to happen, you know? And, they're, they're, and she's saying this is life-changing. Who am I going to be at the end of it? You know, and that's scary for people. You know, but to, to ultimately recognise that pleasure is for everybody and and we all deserve it. Uh, I really, really believe this.
4: Hang um, on there, Jenny. We were all born with an original <laughs> sin, and we all deserve pain and shame <laughs> and suffering and misery. It's the Irish way.
1: Well, that's that's one that's one expression. But you know, in, in tantra yoga, we're also that they, they talk about you know that each of us has a has within us our own little individual piece of heaven. And it's like the journey of a lifetime to discover what that is, how to connect to it and then how to share it and so that's just another another kind of religion, you know, <laughs> it just depends on the words you paint on it, you know yeah. Yeah, I
4: prefer
0: uh, that
1: religion, <laughs> to be honest
4: You go to that once a week, would you? Go to that temple
1: yeah.
4: <laughs> uh, and so forth. But that. you have to take um, your
1: pants off <laughs> <laughs>
4: No problem um, Jenny, we won't, won't obviously keep you for too much longer we appreciate you giving up your time here this evening to talk about the, the, oh, no, the form of, of, course, of yoga that you better. do and the holistic uh, approach that you have <laughs> And um, What has been some of the feedback from some of the people who've kind of worked with you or taken your courses?
1: Oh, I mean, the, the feedback, I mean, working with, the, working with the Irish community, you know, like the feedback is everything. It's fantastic because I've obviously been doing this work in Asia for a really, really long time. I've been, that's where I started doing this, you know. But when you come home to do it in Ireland, like it's nothing hmm. like the Irish humour, you know. Like you, you have like, uh, I mean, some of the comments are like, this is like the no bullshit sex education that everybody needs, you know. And like these really kind of like incredible things, or, or you know, feedback. Like you know, she's like, I'm 29 years old, and I and. I, I just realized my clitoris wasn't where I thought it was. Or, you know, something like, I talk a lot about like the different types of sex as well. And, you know, a lot of the times people come and message me the next morning and go, Jenny, oh, I just had the best sex of my entire life, you know? And we even talk about anal sex. And it's like one one girl message me and said like, my partner and I just tried anal sex for the first time last night and you were right. She goes, I think you just changed my life. It's mind blowing, you know? And so it's just about talking about pleasure. You you know, um, and putting it in a mainstream form because, you know, as much as we want the conversation to be different, talking about sex, it it, it isn't anything, it isn't different than anything else, you know, and I think, like, we're all brought up, you know, <clears throat> um, to have, like, good manners and and a good work ethic and a and a good sense of responsibility, but no one ever teaches us, you know, how to um, how to behave well in bed. And so, where do you go for that? Generally, people go to porn, and they're seeing a very particular type of sexual engagement, which is really all about the performance, you know. And you have people like what standing on their heads and, you know, riding a horse and all that kind of stuff. Like you'll have mad things and you think, Jesus Christ, like how do I relate to that? And so it's really about destigmatizing sex and putting it into the mainstream where it should be, you know, where it really should be, so that we learn that, you know, good sex isn't just about the mechanics, it's about everything else. It's about pleasure, it's about connection, it's about communication, you know? <laughs> and I mean, look at the sex that we had. Like I mean Seriously, yeah, didn't we go to the same school? Like, <laughs> oh my God, like, I remember I was like one of the last nuns in the school came in to give us a, a sex ed talk in when I was in <laughs> second year. And, like, I, I remember, like, the, I literally ha- like, remember, like, sort of what little I saw, but, like, some, like, a little camera went into, like, the, like, it's a chap's eye, basically, and we saw what seminal fluid looked like when it's coming, rushing past the tiny camera and I'm just thinking that's in his penis and I was like oh my god this is so <laughs> disgusting and so you're made to fear like you're made to fear sex is like sex education is about the risk factor you know and you learn all about like the STIs you can get and the diseases you can get and then you learn about the risk factor of pregnancy but then when you actually get pregnant there so like you probably know this for some of your friends everyone goes like Jesus what the hell do I do now like do I have to stop exercising do I need to take supplements and you kind of like lose your head a little bit you know and it's like why aren't we taught this in school like you know the practical things that we need to know in terms of, of, of sex you know like we're going to engage in this for the rest of our lives you know being a sexual being is something that never ever leaves well, unless us, you're married you
4: know?
1: <laughs> well it shouldn't <laughs> if there's something wrong Cormac if there's something wrong if you're uh, you know there's some that's again it's just showing a disconnect I said this once when I was on a podcast you know and like I said like you know something to look at like if you are stroking your phone at night time and um, more than you are stroking the person next to you then that is some there's but saying something you know have a look at that Uh, like put the phone down and and it's hard you know I'm not saying that it's easy it's very difficult because you're you're instigating like very vulnerable spaces you know Uh, you're opening up to like really vulnerable communication but it's about again educating yourself like what are the questions to ask how do I even start this conversation Mm. and that stuff that information is out there you know if you speak it you know it's incredible well I leave you with two books so you can do some further one for Saoirse and one for you. Yeah? Oh, brilliant! Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, seriously, come as you are. This is a book that every woman should read. It's by Emily uh, Nagoski. I think her name is. And for men, oh, this is an incredible book. Okay, she comes first it's by Ian Kerner I think and uh, it's incredible he talks all about like how to give really good oral um, and also women should read that book as well, I read that book, it was absolutely amazing I was like this is fascinating It <laughs>
4: uh, goes you down on the, uh, the reading list and um, do you have uh, an Instagram or a Facebook page where uh, where you're offering yeah, you know, the courses? Yeah,
1: everything is on Instagram I'm only on Instagram to limit my social media use so it's like ah, hello Jenny Keen, okay K-E-A-N-E.
4: At hello Jenny Green listen thanks a million for popping on, very best of luck Thank with you courses in future and we'll chat you again soon oh
1: brilliant thanks so much
4: talk to you soon bye. bye 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 and and let us know this evening would that be something you could ever see yourself going to would you take an online course with someone like that in orgasming would love to know simply guess or no drop us a whatsapp 0876797104